such an opportunity to be reading this book with this wonderful uh, environmental leader and all of you, such a great group. So um, I'm, I'm wondering, Mary, if you'd just like to say a few, a few words of sort of summing up how you feel about this second uh, chunk of the book. Uh, sure, I'm happy to. Um, so uh, I found some of it heavy slogging, actually, and um, I've done a lot of work on the topic of finance for environmental credits and uh, carbon taxes, and I ran a carbon cap and trade program uh, for the state of California, which was controversial, but I think has been widely accepted now as having been successful, not as having solved every problem, but of having, as it turned out, had the benefit of um, working with other regulatory programs that we had to um, put a cap on carbon emissions from the largest industrial sources and from our uh, fuels, natural gas and, and gasoline, and also to have, um, uh, have raised uh, over $10 billion for the state of California, which has all been invested in other projects that are designed to um, reduce uh, greenhouse gases, and particularly with a focus over half of it has been spent in some of the most impacted uh, communities uh, that are, uh, we- How much money did you raise, Mary? $10 billion. That's amazing. That's like something that we would read about in this book. I know it's many, well, he does talk about California. Um, I know. Huge amount, but I was- Love letter to California chapter. That he uh, did give California credit for having moved quickly and decisively and having stuck to our principles and to our, uh, to our program as having uh, made a difference within the state. Of and it's yeah, true. carbon neutral, right? That's true as a state, as a whole. So it's pretty impressive. But of course, we are less than 2% of all of the emissions globally. And um, we tried to be an, and are still working to be a role model, um, particularly because of our relationships with uh, e the uh, European Union and with China. Um, when Jerry Brown left office as governor and uh, you know, retired, he uh, became the director of an institute at uh, UC uh, called the California China Climate Institute. And um, there was a story in today's paper about how uh, there's an investigation going on uh, that claims that uh, maybe the university took money from China, but this program didn't take any money from China. It's all been raised uh, here, but the Chinese are partnering it and they've put in money of their own for their own researchers at Tsinghua University. And they're not focused on technology. This particular program is really focused on policy uh, ideas, better ways to get reductions to happen in our own jurisdictions and around the world. So um, yeah, so that is that is definitely something that we can uh, that we can be proud of. But the fact is that, um, as you also undoubtedly know, worldwide emissions are not coming down. And even though we see some signs of tapering off of demand for petroleum, um, 
the oil companies themselves are just investing in producing more. They're not uh, putting any really significant resources into making the transition that we have to make um, if we are going to stop the problem and, and reverse it. And so I guess I'm, um, I do think that the reading through all the stuff about, about the bankers and what it took to get them to um, pay any attention seriously is helpful. I also think it's helpful kind of against a backdrop of uh, what I see is uh, sort of two movements that are going on in this story at the same time. And remember that we're talking about a time that, although it's called the Ministry for the Future, and it has a sort of a futuristic uh, aura to it, um, the 2030 is the year where many of these things are happening, which is really right around the corner. Um, anyway, you've got, um, you've got what I would call right-wing types. If it were America, it would be MAGA people, but it's Switzerland. So I guess they don't call themselves that, but they are people in Zurich of all places who are attacking refugees who've been welcomed into the country because their own homelands were being flooded or their food crops were wiped out because of the heat. And then we have um, from the left, a whole chapter in here about how um, young people uh, and some of them, of course, sons and daughters of the of the economic elite who like to meet in Switzerland every year, um, basically uh, taking a whole group of these folks hostage for a period of time and forcing them to listen to lectures about what they're doing wrong that fails to recognize the needs of civilization. And um, yeah, well, if you've read that part that far, you know how that all works out. Actually, mm -hmm. neither of them accomplishes their goals. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing that's most relevant to what we're living with right now, which is that, you know, we've got all these um, warring factions um, without getting to the kind of progress that we really need to have. The only reason why we were so successful with this in California is uh, honestly that we had um, a strong history of environmental protection laws and policies on the books. And we had a legislature and a governor that were both of the same party and were both very committed on this issue. And on any given day, we still could have lost it all from the backlashes that cropped up and mm -hmm. still, still are cropping up. So anyway, that's- a, Thank some... you for that. Thank you for that sort of- <laughs> <laughs> overview maybe maybe to get our conversation started now we can sort of pull on the 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 thread of what happens to frank in mm -hmm. this section of the book um he's working at a meal program for refugees and does anyone want to sort of take us through what happens to him uh i'm gonna be really honest i reread the first part of the book mm -hmm. <laughs> that I you know, read really fast before we met the first time, just because I was like, you know, I really want to enjoy this book. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to sit down and read it in leisure. And then I <laughs> I didn't go past what, um, last week's reading. <laughs> oh, that's fine. We're not, we're not requiring anybody to read any particular amount. You just do what you can. And maybe it's even smarter to go back and reread and really try to integrate what you're reading. Mm -hmm. um, 
And does anybody want to talk about Frank, what happened to Frank? Though a lot happens to Frank in this section of the book. Well, I think I've kind of read a little further, but you're, you're talking about um, how he's helping refugees and he he's in jail, basically, because he's been found out, right? Mm -hmm. And he's, and I think the thing that was most interesting is his, is it's really Mary's relationship with him mm -hmm. that was kind of evolving. That's what's sticking in my mind. Mm -hmm. Did it surprise you that she visited him in, in jail? Would you have? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, he kidnapped her at gunpoint, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Even though he eventually let her go, but still. That's not nothing. <laughs> No, I think there's something very strange about it. Actually, I sort of expect, I'm just going to say, because you're going to read it, you'll all read this if you haven't gotten there yet, which is that at first you think she's going to forgive him and they'll have this great reconciliation because she's such a good person. But actually, when she goes to see him in jail, what she mostly feels is a sense of kind of relief and revenge, because now he has been captured, even though um, you know, he's he's actually gotten jailed, not for what he did to her, but what he did to somebody else, which was uh, even more serious crime where he completely lost it um, in trying to defend uh, refugees from attack. But still, she's, she's actually kind of happy to see that he's been forced to face up to what he did. Hmm. I think his entire time in jail I found very interesting on how they approached that with the fact of him continuing to go to the refugee centers and mm -hmm. helping out from there. I mean, it's kind of like a work release program. Yeah, he had the freedom to go all over the place. As long right. as he was back by eight o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, it was kind I of, don't know if anybody is full time. Yeah. on the European prison system, but I, I have the impression that it's sort of advanced in a lot of ways in terms of how they supervise people, especially in a country like Switzerland where they have all this DNA evidence and they can track you. They've got cameras everywhere. So it's not like he could really hide. Or, but on the other hand, they're not just- She suggested he go up to the Alps and he yeah. took a trip up to the Alps one day. And I'm thinking, okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Of saying what it was, but I mean, the whole time, her whole interactions with him, right? You know, trying to. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, I read up into where we were supposed to read in the last 10 minutes, <laughs> when this started. but I mean, he's out of jail, he's yeah. you know, he's being released. So, to me, it would be interesting to see how he recovers in society and whether or not there's any ongoing issues with that because he really kind of liked that lifestyle somebody took care of him he has he tells us or the book tells us at some point in this in this section that he was 22 years old right. when he was the sole survivor of the heat episode that killed the whole village in india so he has survived um, you know, for another decade or more after that, after this horror in a situation where he really didn't want to, he didn't know why he had survived. 
and he's not particularly happy about it. As far as you can tell, he's pretty miserable, like all the time, um, which is why he, of course, tries to uh, get Mary to listen to him when he goes after her. But in his work with refugees, also, he ends up having to fight off people who are opposed to them um, mm. being being taken care of in this uh, lovely spot. Interesting. He, he talks about reading everything he can get his hands on and that sort of thing. So it'd be interesting to see how that shapes his personality and his ability to take care of himself going forward. So I, I'm not sure, again, this may be a spoiler alert, but um, towards the end of the part that we're reading, when she goes to the where, to visit him in uh, the, the center where he's serving meals to people again, um, a, a woman with a daughter comes yeah. in and these are the people that he fell in love with, uh, the, the woman and her child, um, when he was working first in this meal program. And it's because of them that he ended up I think accidentally, but certainly, you know, he didn't try to stop himself beating up a guy who ended up being killed as a result of Frank fighting back to try to defend the refugees from from uh, being attacked. So it's, uh, you know, he's a person who has strong beliefs and cares a lot, and yet he manages to do some pretty terrible things. But you know, throughout this section of the novel, a lot of people are doing some pretty terrible things because the world has become pretty terrible. You know, I mean, all sorts of, well, like like Mary's um, radicalization to be part of the black, what's it called? The um, black oh. wing. wing. Black wing, thank you, the black wing of uh of the ministry for the future and right i was fascinated by that and by her friend vadim and 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 his i, I won't spoil the secret but his secret allegiance mm -hmm. and and that this that the that the with all of the mass extinctions and and all of the extreme weather events um sort of these formerly mild people just become radicalized. radicalized. That's true. Yes, that's very true. I thought there was a, a, a funny bit, a sort of typical of the slightly wry humor, I think, of the author that Mary uh, knows that she's going to take a big risk by plunging into this economics debate that's kind of over her head or that she barely understands. And then she remembers that she's Irish and uh, you know, Ireland wouldn't have continued to exist for Irish women taking ridiculous risks. <laughs> I like that too. Yeah. Um, I personally um, uh, was kind of scared yesterday when um, I saw the news about heat wave in, in Europe and how it's also coming to the U.S. And suddenly, like, I kind of felt like all the hope that I had kind of leave me because, you know, like I was getting into how do I incorporate the environment into my future curriculum? Um, you know, like I'm excited to talk to Jacqueline tomorrow, get some of that curriculum. Like I had some like really hopeful thoughts, 
and then suddenly this like new stress and I'm like maybe that's all futile you know and I, I just heard sort of also like was, was gonna lose all hope you know and this is very like kind of really um a little well not a little a very de depressing <laughs> mm -hmm. you know I, I might be a little a little farther than I'm supposed to be I'm not sure but um you know, where I am in the book, things are looking up. And I'm just wondering if if we can actually do that without the black wing. There was something I found really compelling about the black wing. And it's like, yes, that's somehow I'm not I'm not proud of that, but there's there's just something that, you know, it's so frustrating when you don't when you can't see a way to reach some of the most powerful people. Uh, you know, I mean, how does the kingdom of God actually happen when these folks are, are running around with all the money and all of the power? Mm -hmm. And unwilling to listen or to change because they don't believe they can change. They, you know, they sort of pat these young people on the head and say, yes, but what you're asking for would destroy the economy. Meanwhile, of course, the economy is already being destroyed all around them, but they don't, they don't see that. They understand this fiscal year. Yeah, right. Their, their bottom line report to their shareholders, right. But it's fiddling while Rome burns, literally. There's, um, so, so Frank's, Frank's journey is, is, is one through line that's just so, so interesting. And, um, in this in this section of the book and 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 Mary's radicalization I think is another really interesting strand um, in in this part of the book and she would never have become radicalized I don't think if she hadn't had that encounter with Frank I mean that was that was the that trauma for her caused by a person who was just a living throbbing trauma you know um, it's, it's sort of speaking to what you're saying, Nancy, what sets everything in motion, you know, it's the, it's the, it's almost, it's the desperation. Yeah. I mean, things, I guess what I'm trying to say is it seems like to me that big things have to break in order for any solution to in according in, in the world of this book anyway big things have to break like like the central banking systems of the of the you know the big countries and uh the economy basically has to break and reform in a new alternate economy in order for and then the mass violence like something like crash day when all those airplanes started getting brought down and, and the cows were poor. I mean, but I don't know, do, does all of that terrorism have to happen in order to break a system that is pulling the world on a collision course with sort of extinction? Well, the, I mean, I, I don't think we know the answer to that. No, yes, yeah. Or, or, or in this book, even really, although I think you get a pretty strong sense that the author thinks that nothing short of catastrophe, 
that individual people actually experience will cause those who have the power and have the money to change. And that and, and that's pretty hard to refute that if you have people in a position of power um, who are holding on to uh, most of the resources, most of the money, most of the decisions, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to motivate them to see things differently. And, you know, I remember, oh, you know, having been part of the generation of, that fought the Vietnam War, um, you know, I certainly wasn't a part of the weather underground, but I remember those people who were, you know, blown up in a, in a accident when they were trying to do, preparing to blow up other things. I mean, they were in fact domestic terrorists and um, their acts of terrorism, which seemed crazy at the time, um, even to those of us who were fighting against the war, um, seemed to have been almost like necessary to get some folks at least who were in positions of power to actually uh, change their mind because otherwise they just kept getting deeper and deeper into the hole that they had dug for themselves. We aren't as far in the book as many of you, but um, we have read through the reform of the uh, banks. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was going to say about Frank that in chapter 60, um, uh, Mary is talking to the Frank in her mind. It, it's so, um, I look, looked up Frank and there are 156 references. <laughs> That's what you can do on a Kindle, huh? <laughs> and uh, the page two, 283. Mm -hmm. And she says she uh, would say to him that she wants uh, him, she wants to rest easier because I'm helping you to rest easier. So she's won over to his point of view at this point. Yeah. Uh -huh. So he's had a tremendous influence on her. Mm. I was I'm just going to interject, if I may, because um, I'm going to go soon. But I, in, I was playing around on the internet and uh, came across a video by the author of him giving a speech that was very positive. And so it was on a YouTube channel. So I just want to mention that if anyone's interested. Uh, he talks. It's he talks about. You know, the book was written pre-COVID, and he was talking post-COVID, and some of the changes that have come about as a result of that. So I just wanted to to throw that into the pot. Interesting. Marty, what about you? What are some things that would have been standing out for you as you read this? What's really, what's, what's, I know this is the kind of book that sort of turns around in your mind all day long, at least for me, and I bet for others as well. I'm kind of having a hard time um, keeping everything straight or keeping it in my memory. Mm. Like, 
it's it's engaging when I read it. And then, you know, chapters are like two or three pages long and I'm on to the next thing. And it's like um, my ADD brain just can't quite keep up with it all. And I'm wondering if, um, for me, it would be easier to follow if there were just a few less threads. So I, I, which I find kind of interesting because I want to keep reading it, mm -hmm. but um, I just don't feel like I'm retaining it all. Like I'm really curious about Mary. I'm really curious about Frank. And then these other narrators who kind of aren't identified, I'm thinking now, what was the point of that one? So, <laughs> it's just kind of distracting to me. So it's like this book, is my, this book is ADHD. <laughs> totally, totally. That reminds me um, about the guy, when you're talking about the different threads, there's that whole Antarctica. Yeah, that's fascinating. Which is pumping up the water so it slows down the rate of the glacier. Right. Uh, so that whole thing is another thread that you have to follow. But I found that kind of interesting. But I guess what I'm saying is like, I need to revisit Antarctica a little more often. And, uh, or give me 10 pages on Frank or, you know. Right. <laughs> it bounces around a lot. Mm -hmm. I think it draws you forward that way because uh -huh. Uh -huh. there's always something new to engage your attention, as you said. But um, at the same time, it does make it hard to remember. And when I finished it, I was left with an overall impression, but not necessarily all the details. And I had to go back and reread it again, um, you know, before I suggested or maybe it was even after I suggested that we should have a book discussion group about this. And I realized that I was gonna have to actually, uh, you know, remember some parts of it that I had forgotten. Like I'd forgotten about Badim, the whole, that whole uh, thread of, um, you know, the within the ministry of the future that there's this wing of people who are doing the dark ops, which also fits very much with the science fiction approach as well. So. You know, it's a some of it seems almost like it's plot, like it's part of the plot as a which, you know, it, I mean, the book has to have a plot going forward, right? But at the same time, it's not always um, not always central to the message that he's trying to convey. Okay? It's sort of like it reminds me a little bit of TikTok, you know, <laughs> or in social media in general, and it's just. It, 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 you know, the, the way that our minds have sort of broken down so that we can't take long pieces of information anymore. So these short chapters, some of them mean just a paragraph and the topics are just disparate, you know. I do, I do one thing I like about this book is I feel like it, it, it seems to have a high opinion of my intelligence because it's talking to me about a lot of things that I don't know anything about, like science and economics and and agriculture and so many other things and it, but it he just seems the author seems to be able to hit this note where he's writing um what? he's writing as if he has confidence that I can keep up you know and that and that pulls me along too you know even though I'm not sure that I am 
keeping up. And like you're saying, Marty, I can't remember half of what I read. And sometimes I don't know who the narrator is in a particular chapter. And then those riddles, the riddles that come up every now and then too are so weird. (laughs) Oh, and I was trying to figure out when they were talking about the Navy and the pay rates and that sort of thing, how that, (laughs) if that's going to fit into this in any other way, other than being a chapter from a young lady that's in the Navy and talking about if the government was run like the Navy, it would be a lot more efficient or if private enterprise, not just the government right. enterprise, you know, and also I thought that was very interesting in the fact that, okay, is that going to be, are we going to have more of that or is that just kind of a segue that he threw in there? I don't know if you uh, read chapter 65, but that's seemed almost like a random insert when you first got into it, which takes place in a mine, people who are being forced laborers in a mine. Forced laborers and then. Yeah, how does that fit with everything else? But I think it does actually. um, I mean, the overarching pattern here is of, every time you think you've sort of got a grip on this problem because you understand it all from your perspective, then it turns out there's another whole piece of it that you might not have factored in that has to be solved to, to put the whole thing together. That it's, there is not one simple technology solution or one simple, you just ought to be a better person solution. Or either. economic solution or, although... The carbon coin does seem to be close to an economic solution. It's a piece for sure. Yes, definitely is a, is a part. And and in all those various economics lectures, I think what's uh, embedded in that is the thought that because the economy is everything that we do, uh, that you can't assume that there's a way to get change to happen unless you deal with the economy in economic terms, which means investments and taxes and bonds and all of these instruments that are you know, used to move money around um, that have ended up with you know, the situation that we have today with so many people living in extreme poverty and so many others, um, or so a small number of others sort of sitting at the top of it um, and without, using some economic instrument to move the money around, you don't get to a solution because politicians can't, they don't have the ability or the power to do it to make that kind of change happen. But something like a carbon tax, um, if you can get it put in place, and of course that's where you have to figure out how to, how to do it, who's going to make it happen, um, is a piece that could actually start to shift things in in the opposite direction. I, I find it helpful when you know one chapter sort of introduces an idea and mm-hmm. you hear you hear somebody telling about it and it's like hmm and they explain it in a rather simple way often and then if you know several chapters later I get to hear it again and that's helpful to me. Um, you know put it in, in, in kid terms the first time, and then you can lay on another layer of sophistication. And then several, you know, many chapters later, hear how it's going. And that's how the carbon coin was for me. It's like, 
what? But then, you know, the stick carrot thing and that, yeah. So I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little bit sassy about a lot of things that I've learned. And I, and really for me that, um, you know, that 10 times the, the minimum salary in a company for the CEO, that, that was, that's so brilliant. I, you know, of course they're making too much, but I love the, the idea of just putting that into a little equation and it makes a lot of sense. And, um, and I, I, I also think that, you know, a lot of the jumping around that, that the book does, I mean, just as literature, it, it makes sense because this problem is so multifaceted and it's going to take, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the super moral people and the dark ops people and the economists and the politicians and the regular guys, you know, with all of, you know, the little dumb things that you can do. I mean, really, I've never brushed my teeth as dry without water as I have the last the last week and I mean you know sometimes I wet my toothbrush but I don't know why I don't need to do that and just lots of other things you know but but even the, the little small things as well as you know some of these huge things that these worldwide movers and shakers are are having to do but it's it's really it's fascinating and it's it's a huge thing and I think that I'm I'm satisfied with all of the jumping around in that even I've you know if I don't understand why it's there this chapter I might be rewarded later I'm kind of trusting that yeah like for instance the um Mondragon system the first time I heard that economic principle I thought what and mm -hmm. then when we start to see it in action in um I can't remember what country maybe was it Namibia in the mines Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. All of a sudden I thought, oh, yes, the Mondragon system, of course. <laughs> what an improvement over Keynesian you know, economics. <laughs> it does make, it it make me feel sassy too. <laughs> yeah, I do look it up because sometimes I don't know if this is something that just, yes. you know, the author's making up or if it's, and I, I'm fascinated to, to read about all of these things. And you know, I, maybe my economic education has been a little bit on the, you know, on the shallow side. I just have to learn to count to four and that's about it, maybe six <laughs> sometimes. But um, it's, yeah, it's really, it, there's just, it's so rich. There's so much going on that I really appreciate. Um, hey, I have Googled more things lately to say, is this fiction or did this really happen? And I just don't know about it. I mean, even the Davos meeting at all. I wasn't even sure what that until I looked it up and I went, okay, it really did really occur, <laughs> you know, and see what it is because so I much the world like, of hospitals, I never heard about battles. Pumping you know, so salt water out of the glaciers has not yet happened, but it is a it's an idea which has actually been seriously proposed, along with some other kind of big projects, big engineering type projects, which, um, you know, people are seriously evaluating, but none of themselves, none of them solve the whole problem, just like everything else, you know, there's a, it's a part of a solution, and maybe one that could make a big difference, but you have to be working on so many different things at once. And I think that is part of what comes through with all these chapters, moving from one piece to another is that this is everywhere. <laughs> this is this is not the project which is going to be solved by a few people or by some particular academic discipline, um, that it is going to require like all different kinds of ingenuity to be applied. 
What was it? But it's not hopeless. No, yeah. When she was meeting the first time with the central banks, I was so discouraged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just thought, okay, this is how the world is, huh? You know, it's all just, it's a lock. There's no way, you know, but things well, changed. Um, things did change and they are changing, although slowly, but, you know, having been involved for the last couple of years with the UN's efforts to try to get central banks to change the way they're thinking about uh, what to finance and how to finance change, it's, um, it, it is slow going, slow going. And um, the, there are more people out there in the world of finance who are now um, at least accepting the idea that it has to happen. And yet mm-hmm. at the same time, you hear people saying, well, we can't do it on our own. We need somebody to tell us to do it, which is what uh, what Mary encountered in the beginning, which is even if you're right, we're just the bankers. We, we, we respond to the Congress and we only do what the Congress tells us to do. And she points out to them correctly that Congress does what they tell Congress to do, but they don't see it that way. Their their minds are just completely closed to that idea. Mm. But the Chinese had a little bit of an easier time, it seemed like, understanding this kind of thinking politically. Right. Yeah. In the West. Authoritarian regimes do have some advantages, right? Um, I do want to read uh, a line from the beginning of chapter 20, uh, because everybody's been mentioning how every chapter like introduces something new. So it's the second paragraph of the beginning of chapter 20, where it says, don't what, think- What page? That the, um, it's page 73. Okay. And it's the beginning of the second paragraph. Mm-hmm. And it says, don't think that the Gini coefficient alone will describe the situation, however. This would be succumbing to monocausal taxophilia, the love of single ideas that explain everything, one of humanity's most common cognitive errors. And it's it's I, I really, really like resonated with this because being a math major, I'm so used to, you know, when um teachers and students get to the idea like, oh, this is how we think about it. And then we come to like some sort of a system and say, oh, this is how we think about the material. And we kind of stick to that. But then I, you know, like I go to, I visit book clubs or humanities courses. And it's, it's not like that. There's always like more flexibility. Like you can think of it this way. You can think of it that way. And so when I read this, I was like, I understand what the author is talking about. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. What's that word again? Monocausotaxophilia. Monocausotaxophilia. Good for you. <laughs> that's a one. That's wonderful, Juliana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that the idea of the single idea that explains everything is so true. It's, I mean, that is such a common fallacy. Yeah. In every field, I think, every mm. the area. 
so it happens in the hu humanities too. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's on the on this chapter page. What what are you saying, Gretchen? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, my, <laughs> trying to show where that big word is. Oh. <laughs> my sister. <laughs> it's on page 73. Um, page 73 at the beginning of the second paragraph. But closer to the bottom of the page. Yeah, her Kindle paginates. Oh, here it is. I found yeah. it. <laughs> oh, because the Kindle always does it weirdly. Uh, <laughs> and it's so, italicized. Oh, too. Single ideas. Huh? Yeah, I, I've been there. Like I, I, I've been where at phases of my life, like I stick to some sort of like ideas or some sort of perceived, perceived truths. And I stick to it and say, oh, like, this is like the way to live, you know? And then life changes, doesn't quite work that way. And um, I, you know, I realize, you know, there is, it's so smart to be flexible about the way you think of things. <laughs> and well, so and much flexibility is asked of all of the characters in this book, really. Yes, it's true. Mary changes so much. Mm -hmm. And will change more. <laughs> in this section, her life is in danger again. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Uh, it's hard to imagine that she has this target on her, but that's a, I mean, it, that part is scary that mm -hmm. and she's, she's constantly having to move around and be guarded and watched. And this is not the way she was planning to live her life either. Mm -hmm. Why she's viewed as such a threat. That's what I have trouble understanding that she, you know, I would assume that's why she's a target is that, that they mm -hmm. get her. Yeah. yeah you know, it would severely impact the movement and all, but why that she is labeled as such a threat when there's so many other components to this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that there's um, just so many, I mean, like at one point they talk about how many cargo ships are no longer there because they've been <laughs> bombed or whatever. And you think, Oh, Mary's a Mary's in danger, but I think there's so many things that are yeah. in danger: jets and cargo ships, and right cows. Uh, so I thought, man, you don't know who the enemy is with drones. I mean, that freaked me out that the drones were getting so many people, and who's in charge of the drones? And <laughs> um, circling the soldiers at that pit when they, you know, in North Africa, when they were taking it over, it's like, okay, can you imagine? Drones have captured these whole group of soldiers and escorted them away from the workers to protect them. It's mm. To protect the- Not workers. really. <laughs> protect the workers from the soldiers. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. When you consider that, you know, the, the former slave labor was offered the, the option to be part of a co-op and that they would be co-owners mm -hmm. in this mine. Right. I think that's, that's one reason that Mary is being, you know, targeted because not everybody can be happy about that. I would think the mine owners might be a little ticked off. <laughs> it's amazing that it happened though. That's, that's one of the few things in the book that I thought was that's hopeful, but is it real? Would that actually mm -hmm. happen? Well, it would be wonderful if it did. But. Well, I remember when I was a teenager, I lived in Botswana and the country next door was Rhodesia back then. And there was a war of independence going on before it became Zimbabwe. And when it became Zimbabwe, all of the farms that used to be owned by uh, rich white uh, Rhodesians were turned over to all of these, these um, militant amputees, you know, and they would work together and try to run these farms. And so it's, you know, it has happened, it does happen can happen yes it can and it, but and a lot of sacrifices were made along the way for that to happen and I guess that's mm -hmm. what this what happens in this book too is that it doesn't happen without bloodshed mm -hmm. the cost is huge the cost is huge right right well I think it's later in the book that we get into some of the nature solutions too that people begin to implement mm -hmm. And that's a little more hopeful. Again, not a, not a single explanation or a single answer, but people getting together to find ways to protect um, natural systems that can help keep whole species and ecosystems alive. So mm -hmm. it's one area where there definitely is uh, potential for positive momentum. Mm -hmm. And the Swiss come across not so badly, right? I mean, there's there are their um, police do step in and uh, you know stop the stop the uh, anti-immigrant people from rioting. Mm -hmm. Even their banks are full of plunder, but <laughs> <laughs> can't have everything, <laughs> right? Uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm so impressed with this book because I also think that the, the all over the place approach makes it impossible to, to get away from the message. You know, if it were just one story, I could block it out. But when this story is coming from so many directions, every aspect of, 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 of life on this planet, you know, it's, it's really, I don't know if this is a real word, but I know they say it in some groups. It's very conscientizing. <laughs> I've heard that word before. I've heard English people use that word. I'm going to look up if it's really real. <laughs> okay. But it's just changing. I feel like it's changing me. Yeah. So I was looking today at um, just kind of climate change news, and I thought, this book has just made me aware of kind of this, the scattershot approach, I, I think has made me more aware, which is, I mean, it's, I wasn't really, 
complaining that it was so scattershot because I want to keep reading, which um, I'd love to know more about this author. I mean, he must just have a database of a brain. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. Or else a team of researchers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he has a new book, I think, that's come out at least one since this book was published. That's about life on Mars. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> All right, friends. Conscientize is a word. How do you use it in the sentence? Widespread awareness campaigns also remain indispensable in order to conscientize society regarding the urgency of the problem. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. so could you spell that? Conscientize? Sure. Yes. Um, C-O-N. C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-T-I-S-E. -E. Makes S it sound like it might be English. The S instead of a S-E. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, um, so we're going to get conscientized with the rest of the book <laughs> for our final, our final meeting next Tuesday at 6 p.m. So that's going to be chapters uh what is it mary is it like 85 till the end maybe the end. yes yeah yes it goes it goes it goes pretty quickly this this middle section is the hardest i think in a lot of ways just to just to absorb all of it and i hope when we come back together next week that we can you know talk a little bit in a personal way about what we see as solutions for ourselves or our families or church <laughs> i know i mean I, I i would love to be a carbon neutral church you know hmm. is that a hard thing to do uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't emit a lot as a church i i will say that most of the emissions from the church itself are caused by people coming to the church secondarily yeah. by the city that we use for lighting heating and cooling um there's not a whole lot of direct emissions from anything we do maybe burning candles but that's that's not <laughs> we're being audited we're having an energy audit going on right now from the oh, really? yeah it's because mandatory now from the city the power or from the, the who's doing the, audit? the los angeles energy oh okay so it is yeah. Okay. And there, yeah. and then they 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 gave us the name of a company to do the audit, and then uh, information on how to try to qualify for a waiver, so we don't have to pay thousands of dollars to 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 be audited. So you know. <laughs> Luck, yeah. Maybe oh. that will give us clues about how we can become more um, more sensitive as a church to the environment. Well, there used to be free audits that the LA Department of Water and Power would do if you asked. So I'm a little curious if you want to share that with me offline at some point, what what we actually have been told to do. I would I would like I to know. Send you, I'll send you the information. It's a new thing that they're doing, apparently. Apparently so. <laughs> well, good night, everyone. Thanks Happy so meeting. Well. Blessings. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for your contributions.